I want to talk about food. My favorite subject. Oh, mine too. I could talk about it for days. I want to talk about it because since 2019, ultra processed food is now leading to more premature deaths than cigarettes, right? Wild. Isn't it wild? We've actually, we've created a situation and an industry where our food is now more dangerous than smoking. The healthiest people that I know and the people who seem to stay slim and healthy effortlessly are the ones who don't have these very strict rules around eating. And when I look at people who are trying to lose weight and they're trying to get healthy, I notice that they put in a lot of strict things like I can't have carbs after this time. I shouldn't eat fruit because it's too high in sugar. So I wanted to find out from you, what's your philosophy around food? I love this topic. This is bringing the readers along for the ride. I had no idea what we were going to be talking about today, just that it was in the category of food. I've never thought about it from the point of view that you are presenting. But as you were speaking, that makes complete sense to me. You're right. I do think that people who struggle with their weight tend to have a lot of rules around food. The last more than 10 years, let's call it like 15 years for me, have been a real journey of moving from my weight fluctuating quite a lot. I've never been overweight. I would call it a struggle with feeling good in my body to stabilizing probably about 10 years ago, effortless health and happiness Mm -hmm. within my own skin. And my philosophy on food has 100% been a big part of that journey. The point at which I stabilized, I was eating a pretty much only organic food and like only whole foods. Yes. Super low sugar, but totally non-restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. And I really noticed that in you when we were in talent together, it was like uncomplicated, but you just had some very simple frameworks around things that you do. And the most important one there that I've just seen you say is only whole foods. It's ultra processed foods for anyone who doesn't understand what it is it's foods that contain any ingredients that you wouldn't find in your typical kitchen so think of all of those additives that sound like a chemistry experiment when you look at your food like diglycerides of fatty acids modified maize starch guar gum xanthan gum all these things are additives that are added into our food not for consumers benefit it is to help products run through a factory it is also to help give certain textures in a very cheap way that is feels very satisfying yet you can take away all the expensive ingredients it's not necessarily done because the producers want to do it there are some like I work with a lot of them they are incredible food producers and they care but they are being put on constant downward price pressure by retailers Mm. and, and by their customers to make food cheaper what has ended up happening we've been adding these synthetic compounds to our food since the 1970s And we have seen this massive upward trajectory of Western-based diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancers. All of these have really risen directly in line with the amount to the degree that we are adding these compounds to our food. So do I think they're unrelated? Absolutely not. Human body's not evolved to, to process these many chemicals at this level. Love this topic. So I am super curious, like what are some ultra processed foods that people don't think are ultra processed? 
anything that is really positioned as healthy. So the one that always stands out for me is flavored yogurts. Mm. So people think this is something healthy that I'm giving my kids. And a lot of them contain modified starches. One of the problems with modified starches is they can make you you hungrier. So if you're getting a 0% fat yogurt and they add these starches so that it can t- it, it retains that kind of fattiness and that lovely, like lovely mouthfeel. One of the problems with ultra processed foods is how they override our natural hunger balancing hormones. And so you eat the 0% fat yogurt and your brain gets this lovely mouthfeel and goes, oh, I'm about to get some really nutritious food. Because when we get these mouthfeels in our brain goes, we're about to get a high fat content something in our belly but when that doesn't arrive into our belly what ends up happening is you end up craving more food because mm. you're still hungry because your, your body's not getting those nutrition markers so that's what causes people to overeat and that happens across all ultra processed foods they actually make you hungrier and they don't make you as satisfied as real whole foods would This is such an entertaining example that you pulled out. It's literally reminding me that when I was working in kind of one of my first high stressful jobs in corporate, Mm. managing a big team, I really remember this time as being a time I was struggling quite a lot with feeling good in my body Mm -hmm. and with my weight. And do you know what I used to have every single day? I used to have a low fat yogurt and a banana. I would never eat that shit now. It's so funny that it's the first thing that you pulled up. At that time, I identified as somebody who was slim and I thought I was healthy and it was actually when I had put on a bit of weight probably because I was drinking too much alcohol and I was trying to be healthy that this introduction came in of this flashing light low fat Mm -hmm. option was really bad for me and totally as you said processed absolutely the whole low fat diet thing was based on really flawed research it was like this tiny research study that was funded by the sugar industry and that led to the American government being told don't vilify sugar vilify something else and they chose fat and then that we all ended up going on low fat it ended up being a high carb diet as a result because if you take out the fat you're going to increase the the carbohydrates and look where it led us look what has happened in the american market Mm. um so all of these foods they there's so much pressure for food producers to reduce the cost of their ingredients And so the way that they do that is they add these much, these cheap compounds and these basically our food is being thickened with starches and things and carbohydrates instead of having the actual natural fats. One of the most kind of bastardized products in the food industry is ice cream as well. It's absolutely gross. And and ice cream traditionally made is just milk, cream, eggs, sugar, and whatever flavor you want to put in. But when you look at the back of a lot of the typical like big brand ice creams in the supermarket it's 52 ingredients of just absolute disgusting synthetic oils absolutely and all these things give you this amazing texture in your mouth and your brain goes wow and then you're just you overeat I cannot open up a pack of Dorito hot waves without I I can't stop (laughs) like I actually cannot stop to the point that I just don't go near them because I know what they're doing to my brain when they measured these ultra processed foods on people's brains, so they had them eat them and then hook them up to an MRI scanner. What they found was they were having the exact same effect on their brain as people who are taking cocaine. Oh my God. I'm not surprised. I was talking with my husband this morning about 
alcohol basically mm-hmm. and sugar because as you know yeah. I don't drink I was saying that I don't think that it's better to drink alcohol versus having sugar you can critique me if I'm stuffing my face with sugar that ad- that addictive tendency is certainly there even if you eat a very clean diet it's very you can very easily fall back into that spiral of addiction that cocaine response mm-hmm. it, it is sugar it's it is the same isn't it I'm watching this show right now called Painkiller on Netflix, which is all about the opioid crisis in America, centered on that company who created OxyContin, Purdue Pharma. And when I've been watching it, I I really see the parallels between what they did and and the food industry. What Purdue did is more extreme. I'm not saying it's as, as extreme as getting people hooked on legal heroin, but there are parallels. For people who don't know what Purdue Pharma did, they created a legal form of heroin, which they put in a time-release capsule, and they got FDA approval. And then when it was a highly addictive substance, as addictive as heroin. So when their customers started to get hooked on it and started grinding down the pills and, and snorting them, they came out with this whole blame game of there will always be abusers. They called them junkies. They called them drug addicts. And they were basically putting all the focus on the victims instead of actually taking ownership for what they had done was completely wrong. And we're doing the same thing in the food industry. So we have created these foods that are highly addictive, like Pringles. Once you pop, you just can't stop. It's even the slogan. It's even the slogan. slogan. Oh my God. And then when people overeat them, we are blaming them. Like shame. Yeah. It's shame, exactly. Oh my God, you're overweight and you're lazy. And people mm. who, who are struggling with obesity, they're made to feel that it's their fault rather mm. than this being a disease and this them being victims of a broken food system. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think that it, it in the context of the work that we do around identity, you saying that out loud is super, super powerful because when the blame is on people and it's about mm. them being the problem, It's very disempowering. It's difficult for them to see how they could change because they're the problem. Whereas if the food is the problem, your addiction is to a product that's highly addictive that was designed for you to be addicted to. You're not the problem. You're behaving exactly as you would be expected to behave, right? Exactly. And like when we look at the rate at which obesity and all these diseases have risen since the 1970s, is it a case that people have just gotten lazier and their willpower has gotten less? Or is it a case of we've made these foods that is lead, directly leading to these issues? I'm glad you brought up the thing of disempowerment because I see through my work with food producers and with consumers and, and helping them with their relationship with food that I see a lot of limiting beliefs around food. When I look at it in the industry, for example, so I'm, when I'm helping restaurant chains develop recipes, one of the things that I always say to them is, okay, get the base ingredients from your suppliers, but make your dressings and your salads and make those things fresh so that you've got that really fresh element. You can't pre-buy these things in because they will never taste fresh. And what I always hear from the industry is I, we could never get our staff to do that. Our staff could never make a fresh slaw or they could never make a, a dressing. And I go they couldn't slice a few bits of vegetables or they couldn't add oil and vinegar and some herbs to a jar. And it's the funny thing is I find when you go in and you actually empower those employees and you give them a new skill, incredible. But it's actually the leaders within the company have this whole 
mentality around, I just need this to be foolproof, idiot proof. When are we going to stop treating people like children? I absolutely love this subject. I agree with you. It's it's absolutely right what you're saying, that there is this low expectation of somebody because they're doing yeah. a low paid job, like they're a fucking totally. idiot and they can't cut a few vegetables. Exactly. Before becoming a coach, I was working in an organic supermarket, basically, and I worked on the food to go counter. Yeah. I worked as a barista and we sold all of this amazing hot food. What was super interesting is that I was like abnormal in that I Mm. was a consumer. Most of the people who work there, they're not consumers because they don't get paid enough to be consumers of this shop. Before they were working in somewhere like Costa or Starbucks, another chain. And yet they would do something that you would find in this brand because that's what their job was. So they would do things that were freshly prepared because that's what their job was in this environment exactly and it's all about the environment that you create for these employees if you treat them it's the expectation and what I've always seen is that you create a much better culture within your food business when you raise the expectations of what employees need to do and you get you actually get them involved in the food preparation process, as opposed to just turning them into glorified McDonald's workers. You're so right, because actually when you break down all of the other things that are involved, even if you work in a shop where there's no fresh prep, like your typical Cafe Nero or whatever, Mm. as part of your shift, you have to clean the coffee machine. You have to clean all of the juice juices and all of those things. And you have to clean the toilets. So if they are competent to do those things, they can chop a few vegetables. Oh, absolutely. I worked with a chain who they trained their staff so well on coffee. They all got put them through barista training. The staff members could make the most incredible coffee art. But then when it came to the menu, they were like, oh, no, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. And I was like, if they can make those coffees, they can do all this stuff. It's looking at the limiting beliefs as well that I see a lot from consumers. And one in particular is that healthy eating is too expensive. But it actually can be really cheap when you do a little bit of planning. So I went out recently. I'm stocking up all my cupboards to have my larders all all ready for when I have this baby. And I went to Lidl and I got the jars of chickpeas because the jars are just so nice. And I got 20 of them because they were a euro for a jar of chickpeas. So Stephen and I would share a jar as part of like a portion. So that's 50 cent for a portion of protein. What I find is that if we have an expectation that we need to eat meat twice a day or three times a day, food's expensive. And that's where you end up buying the factory farmed, highly ultra processed meat because humans weren't made to have that much meat every single day. Yeah, it's. I, I do think you're right there because there's a lot of things that you need to take into consideration. If it's a choice, it all comes down to choice. And that's where I do think that we are empowered And yet sometimes we act as if we're not. Sardines are cheap as chips and they are so good for you. If you want to eat a wild piece of wild salmon every day, Mm -hmm. then that is going to cost you more than eating a tin of sardines every day. Is one better Mm -hmm. for you than the other? Debatable. They're both really good Mm -hmm. protein sources. Yeah. In the UK now, you can buy frozen organic spinach. It's cheap as chips. You can put that in anything and you're getting a super high quality, really fresh, organic, leafy green that you can add to anything. Yet if you were buying Cavalo Nero, 
at your farmer's market, it's not cheap. It's quite expensive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought up the freezer because I always say the freezer is your friend because it is the best form of food preservation that we have. And I know when I'm working with clients and we have a frozen supply chain, you don't need to add anything to the products Mm. to preserve them. You don't need to add potassium sorbate and, and all these different chemicals. You just can use the freezer. So it's when you're like, I add frozen peas to everything. I have loads of frozen veg in my freezer that I just, when I'm making say a lentil dal, for example, I get the diced up butternut squash. I get the diced up onions, like all of those things. And it just makes it so quick. Mm. And people have this belief that because it's frozen, it's not as good. And actually through testing, we can prove that frozen vegetables are actually more nutritious than fresh ones because they are frozen at the peak of their freshness. I, I really concur with that. And I, I genuinely think like people ask me about food a lot. It's a kind of conversation that I have with a lot of people. Mm. And one of the main concepts that I literally had a conversation with my husband about this morning is that rather than thinking about what you shouldn't eat, you should be really focused every day on what you need to eat. Mm. I've got a list of things every single day that I'm going to have that doesn't leave that much space for other stuff. When you've got no routine and when you've got no consistency, you've got no plan for breakfast. So you're grabbing something on the go and it's probably something sweet and it's not that good for you. You don't have a plan to have leafy greens on your plate every single meal. And so you haven't got frozen spinach in your freezer that you could pop in the microwave and it's ready in one minute. Yeah, absolutely. It does take forward planning. I use my slow cooker all the time because it uses as much energy as a light bulb. I can get cheaper cuts of meat. One thing that I do and it's one way that I'm quite organized is I have a bag in my freezer and every time I I peel carrots or I have the ends of onions I put those little offcuts into that bag and then I make stocks in my slow cooker using those little offcuts and since doing this it it's just made everything so much quicker because everything's already cut for me it's there it's in the freezer I just chuck it into the slow cooker and then I put the bones in I some a lot of the time I will freeze bones as I get them so say from a chicken carcass and I'll have three chicken carcasses in my freezer like I know my freezer is like insane but I'll put that in the slow cooker and then I have this really nutritious stock that I can use throughout the week and then I can use that to make things like ramens Uh, I can use that in lentil dals I can use that as a base in curries just to make it so much more nutritious that's probably quite advanced for people I think that they would need to have a repertoire of cooking to Mm. start incorporating stocks so for somebody who is wanting to make a few small changes to move in that whole food direction Mm. where would you say is a great place to start I think the best place to start first is with your mindset we need to stop looking at food as fuel I'm hungry I need to fill a gap with something that's really tasty because that is what leads you towards ultra processed foods this is developed to be ultra palatable and we need to start looking at food as the first stage in our health journey it's the first step in preventing disease when you get sick you will go to the pharmacy and you will spend anything on the medication to get to get better and we need to start looking at food in that way that we the more that we spend on it and if you look at any country where they spend higher amounts of their disposable income on food they actually have much better health outcomes than countries that don't so the country that spends the lowest amount of their disposable income in the western world on food is america they spend three percent gross and then you go to europe the nordics places like that and they would spend about 14 percent on food so it's 
food is not just fuel food is actually medicine when it's Mm. done in the right way so I love that that for me is the first thing is look at your mindset and then the other limiting belief that I see all the time is I don't have time to cook okay you don't have time to cook but do you have time for cancer do you have time to get sick do you have time to have no energy to do your job and look after your kids when we start to get really clear on that it's like actually with a little bit of prep you can make food quite quickly so one like the biggest thing that I do is I I try to eat as little ingredients as I can so when I'm looking at something instead of buying those flavored yogurts I'm looking for just 100% natural yogurt and that that's it so look at the ingredients if it contains things that you would find in your kitchen then it's minimally processed or it's a processed food that's okay when it's starting to contain those ingredients that look like they belong in a chemistry book then it's an ultra processed food and you just need to be a little bit more wary of it one thing that I do is on Sundays I prep I take tins of chickpeas and I just marinate them in a dressing and that sits in Tupperware in my fridge I boil some grains like spelt or frika or couscous or something like that and I'll have that sitting in another Tupperware in my fridge and then I just chop up some kind of raw veg like cabbage or I grate some carrot and I just have those and so from that then I can start to build these grain bowls and it just takes seconds and I have my have my dressing pre-made I toast off some nuts and I have them with a few spices so that I can put those on top you don't have to go that fancy but it's just to have those elements put together so that you shouldn't be doing a lot of cooking when you need to eat you should be doing it actually during more of your downtime when you've got a bit more time so the big aha moment for me and what you're saying, it's really refreshing to hear you say this. It's so different from what I hear a lot of other people banging on about, which is that people always talk about the food being fuel. And actually, mm. you're right. It is the first step in your health journey. And yeah. if people are stuck in this cycle of saying, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. It's you're saying you don't have time for your health. Yeah. essentially like that is what you're saying and the thing is is that there's only one direction in which this is going yeah. and I really I think the reason why it was an aha moment for me is because I'm just so obsessed with radical responsibility like I just mm. want people to take responsibility mm. for themselves and for their lives and for the things that are within their control and the food that you put in your mouth is within your control we've had a conversation today about some of the things to do with price and there are so many things like eggs like sardines that I mentioned before that are very quick proteins Mm -hmm. they're not difficult to cook anyone can boil an egg anyone can open a tin of sardines and those things that you just talked about in terms of food prep they're not intimidating to somebody who has a family doesn't have a lot of experience cooking like the only thing that you're mentioning there that somebody could be a bit like oh is a dressing guys google it three ingredients probably that you already have in your cupboard and you will be so delighted when you can make yourself a delicious dressing that makes your food taste so good Mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right like that food prep batching anything in your life we don't do our washing piecemeal we do loads And actually, when you wash on particular days of the week, rather than a load every single day, it feels better. And it's the same with that kind of prep for cooking. Getting into the habit of batching things means that we reduce the amount of time that we spend on them. 
Absolutely, because you get into a flow when you're doing it. And what I found with this food prep is it actually is only an hour on my Sunday. It's completely manageable. But I love what you said about radical responsibility, because I, I really do believe that we we do require government intervention to to limit the marketing of these kinds of products and to really regulate food businesses in a way that we had to regulate this tobacco industry. Um, we need nutrition training in school that needs to form part of the curriculum. But I can't base my my health on waiting for governments to make these decisions. Yeah. So I need to take responsibility now for my health so that it's and it's not just about it's not about looking good. It's actually about I want to be able to be healthy in the future. I want to have a long lifespan, but also a long health span and not have this slow um degradation of my health over 20 years before I die yeah and I think the thing is that once you do start eating quite a clean diet when you divert from that you really notice the way that it makes you feel and so I Mm. think that people who are on an ultra processed diet you don't even realize how good you can feel until you go cold turkey on this people get very focused on specific things like I've got to stop eating bread and it's yeah but you're still eating all of this other random stuff that's highly processed eat the bread you know just eat good bread eat good bread exactly don't eat it all the time and just get bread that's got Flour, water, salt, yeast, just those ingredients, not Mm. all those other things that cause you to overeat the amount of bread. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because actually, when you look at things that are like gluten free or whatever, like they are highly processed. So it comes back to that thing again that we were talking about right at the beginning, where people who are struggling with their weight are often on these kind of restrictive diets. And Mm. without realizing it, their intention is that they want to be healthy, but they are resorting to ultra processed foods yeah absolutely I see it in food production like you're sitting around a table and the the client is saying how can we make those health claims and I'm like I put it back on them and I'm like how can we make this product actually healthy instead of working towards these arbitrary claims so So crazy one of the things I do think I would love to talk to you about is that I have heard you share in the past and just full disclosure on this podcast, we do not have any sponsors. Anything that we talk about is just what we use and what Mm -hmm. we're into. So know that none of kind of our reference to any companies or products is with any benefit to ourselves. I've heard you talk in the past about using, I think it was HelloFresh. So using like a meal prep company where they were delivering portion controlled fresh products direct to you that you could have the enjoyment of still doing a little bit of cooking um, spicing them up but managing a big part of the load which is that shopping and portion control what you think about those things so what I used HelloFresh when I was in my first trimester and I was just horrifically sick and like a zombie I was so tired so it was a lifeline during that time in my life when I was very, I just felt that I was very, very time and energy poor. And it just took away all that guesswork of what am I going to cook this week? It was just sent in and that was great. Now, it didn't work for me long term because I felt the meals got a little bit repetitive and I like a lot more diversity in my diet. Now, that's not to say when I'm back in a very busy phase in my life that I wouldn't use them again. I absolutely would. But one company that I work with is an organic farm in the west of Ireland. I'm just a customer of theirs. They send me a delivery of fresh veg every two weeks. And that for me has been game changing because one of the things that I find is when I go to the supermarket, 
all that fresh produce is actually very heavy. I spend a lot of time in that section, right? So now when I go into the shop, I've cut down my shopping so much and I just go in to get like my milk, my yogurt, my meat. I just know that this stuff is just going to be delivered. And not only that, it's actually going to be seasonal because it's whatever they've grown on their farm. Yeah, so I think what I'm hearing you say is that those options like HelloFresh are really good. You use them, I'm assuming they are not highly processed then and the ingredients are fresh. So Mm. from a kind of health perspective, they are a good choice. It's more just down to your personal palate. And I guess what I'm wondering when you're talking about the organic veg box, which I have also been really into in the past, Mm. is that I think, as I've spoken with some of my friends about this, one of the things that people struggle with is that, for example, in their box, they might get something like beetroots and they're like, Mm. I don't know what to do with these. And so it it feels overwhelming rather than nourishing. Mm -hmm. So have you got any tips about general preparation of seasonal veg? What would you say to people if they don't want to be overwhelmed? They don't want to be looking at recipes. What are some principles to live by? One of the best ways of actually feeding your gut microbiome is diversity. When I was growing up and I saw my mom dieting, it was all about restriction. It was like, I need to take away. I'm not allowed to have that. We need to remove the fat. And what we found now is that actually having a more diverse diet is what's going to make you more satiated. It's going to give you a nice breakdown of all the different nutrients that you need. So when you're looking at your plate, you shouldn't go, what do I need to take away? I added a handful of peas, frozen peas to this. If I got some spinach and just some dressing, I heard um, this website talk about it and they, they described it as it is a time of radical abundance. Anything I can add is a positive, right? So when you get in things like beetroot like beetroot and carrot all of those kind of autumn veg if you just grate them raw and you add a dressing it's like the nicest law you will ever have it's so delicious the two carrot and beetroot just go go together so well and like any of those kind of like heavy vegetables the root vegetables they just need to be roasted they just need to be cut up and roasted and what I do is I would put them into my air fryer actually or my oven and I would just have trays and trays of all this veg cut up and then I would put them into my Tupperware for my 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 grain bowls during the week. The, the oven is very good to those kinds of vegetables because it caramelizes them. Yeah, I love that. So that's two really super simple things. I love grated raw veggies. Sometimes I do use my magic mix to grate them as well, which makes it super, mm. super quick. Yeah. And I also do big batches of that to have in the fridge. But I love that you're offering just a really simple solution, which is to roast those things, because that's so easy. Like, All you're doing is cutting them up, putting them in the oven, a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper. That's it. Job done. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that this conversation has been informative for people. Please let us know if you want us to go deeper on any topic in particular. I just overtook the airwaves this week because I just feel so passionately about this. I think it's time that we stop disempowering ourselves and stop putting our health in the hands of these big food companies who are being driven to sell more and to grow their sales and they're doing that by making us overeat let's take a little bit of that ownership back and let's take charge of our own health